This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now loading the Zemo cut. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian, this week we're going to be dissecting the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And you're going to be reviewing Amazon Prime's newest series, Invincible. That's right, Damon. But of course, that's not all. We're going to be talking NXT TakeOver's Stand and Deliver. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, well, first up this week, Netflix will become the post-theatrical streaming home for Sony Pictures. That's right, so beginning in 2022, Netflix will be the exclusive home of Sony theatrical releases, signaling that there will probably be no Sony Plus anytime soon. After Sony films have hit the theaters and later DVD shelves, they will now head straight to Netflix. This, of course, includes the Spider-Man franchise and everything that comes along with it, like Venom and Morbius. Uh, They also inked a first look deal, which means that films will be made exclusively for the streaming service, helping to bolster their slate of Netflix originals in a big way. So Scott Stuber, uh, head of Netflix's Global Films, uh, was quoted as saying, Sony Pictures is a great partner. And we're thrilled to expand our relationship through this forward-thinking agreement. This not only allows us to bring their impressive slate of beloved film franchises and new IP to Netflix in the U.S., but it also establishes a new source of first-run films for Netflix movie lovers worldwide. Yeah, that's crazy. I know that they have a lot of films slated in the next couple of years in general. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I know that they've been looking back to their, like, game studios to see what kind of movies they can make out of that as well. So, I mean, and I think Netflix is a good home for, like, if they want to experiment with anything with Sony um, in general. Like, a lot of their IP and stuff like that would be interesting to see show up on Netflix. But, I mean, yeah, the big thing is Spider-Man at the end of the day. Like, someone who, like, personally, like, sometimes when a big Avengers event comes out, I want to watch 
all the Marvel movies in order. And now I'm going to have to go like that takes me from Disney Plus to Netflix. And I just feel like that's a weird thing for Disney to kind of let loose. You know, you're sending traffic to another, um, you know, to another platform, which I mean, it's not their decision. But at the end of the day, I just think that's crazy that they didn't fight for it more. I'm guessing Netflix probably like, you know, put their foot down and said, you know, mm-hmm. to get this deal done, we need Spider-Man. Because that's the biggest, like, jewel in the crown of Sony, honestly. (laughs) Uh So I get it. Um, You know, as a viewer, it's not really going to affect me, you know, big time to, like, have to jump from Disney Plus to, you know, Netflix. Because I do that plenty anyway. Uh (laughs) Um, So I feel like in the long run, Disney will be okay. Like, they're going to survive this. Yes, (laughs) they will. But (laughs) it'll definitely help Netflix, though. All right. Up next, Saw 10 already in development. So this film is listed in active development in the latest issue of Production Weekly, so they must be incredibly confident that Spiral, which doesn't even come out until the summer, is going to be a huge hit. So no word yet on the cast or crew, or if, you know, Spiral and this film will be connected in any way, but it's Saw, so of course they are. <laughs> Just as long as he's not, like, alive in 10 out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, who, Tobin Bell? Jigsaw? Yes. <laughs> like, surprised! I'm back! Exactly. <laughs> I've waited seven films to make my reappearance um yeah i keep on hoping for i don't know a soft reboot i guess i love the character jigsaw and i think one of the biggest mistakes the franchise made was like killing him off so early on Mm -hmm. especially i mean i like seeing how the story's been kind of interwoven even though it's completely convoluted at this point but tobin bell was like so much of that franchise you know for me that it just hasn't been the same ever since they killed off his character no exactly like i I kind of just see that franchise ending at three in my own mind. (laughs) (laughs) Four wasn't bad, though. Like, I enjoyed four, you know, and like, the you know, some of the reveals were pretty, like, smart. um, And it really kept you guessing for a while. But there Mm -hmm. is a point where it's like, okay, that's bullshit. Where, like, every little thing means something. And there's, like, a callback. Like, it is, like, at first it felt, like, well-crafted. And then after a while, it just felt like, okay, now you're just stretching. Give me a break. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I enjoy a good kill, you know, along with the next guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you made a good point. Like, I thought at least with Spiral, it would be a soft reboot. Even if it, even if they're considering it a sequel, I thought maybe at least they'll make that a checkpoint, you know, yeah. to starting something new. So, and, but is it actually, I don't even know if we're actually calling it Saw 10 or if they're, you know. I think they that's just will the working, for the anniversary, but I think it's just yeah. a working title right now. But I wouldn't doubt that they would call it like mm-hmm. Saw X or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just such a great concept, you know, like the Jigsaw Killer, that I feel like it really like lends itself to like a reimagining. Mm-hmm. So, and like just the way that the story has just gotten so watered down after the last like three or four films, I just feel like it's I don't know, just primed to kind of like start fresh. No, exactly. I agree. But who knows? Maybe I'll be singing a different tune after I see Spiral. Possible. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Ye of little faith. Well, up next, it looks like we have a huge character reveal coming from Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's right. And that's in the form of Mini Puffs. 
Um, yes. little, <laughs> little Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. In a short clip released by Sony, uh, we see Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd um, in the middle of a grocery store when he comes upon a bag of marshmallows making noise and out comes an adorable little Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Paul Rudd at first seems enamored with it and then it turns around and bites him. Then we see these possibly cannibalistic little bastards like making each other to <laughs> s'mores. <laughs> it just looks like chaos. It reminds me a lot of the gremlins, uh, but I'm here for it. Absolutely. I mean, as Sony Pictures describes them, sweet, mischievous, and savage. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this was the uh, right clip to send out to remind people that this film is coming. And, you know, this, I mean, I'm back on the bandwagon, at least for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I love the first trailer for it, um, mm -hmm. but it definitely had a different vibe than what we got with this clip. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this clip felt a lot more fun. Um, the, the trailer was good, but it gave you this like strong, almost like Spielberg vibe to it. This really captures like the comedic tone of the ghosts in the first like Ghostbusters film. Yeah, it, you made a good point. That first trailer reminded me a lot of that like Super 8 trailer. Yes. <laughs> when that came out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which I wasn't expecting. It felt, like I said, like super Spielberg. So it'll be interesting to see how they like mesh, you know, both tones. So up next, we got the first full trailer for the upcoming Loki series. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. So Christian, I'm not going to lie. Like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on <laughs> in this trailer, but I loved every second of it, strangely enough. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like uh, Owen Wilson's character, who's Mobius from the comics, is, you know, brokering a deal with Loki, uh, you know, who broke the time stream, apparently, to, like, put things back the way they were. Um, that's what I got from the trailer. I could be completely off, though. Um, <laughs> Mobius is part of the Time Variant Authority. Um, who, who, that, that group does exist in the comics. Um, they serve a group called, I believe, the Time Gods. I could be wrong. <laughs> but in the trailer, it seems like we're getting like glimpses of Loki kind of being processed like for his crimes. Um, you know, we're watching him sitting at different desks and everything. I like the aesthetic of like their headquarters, uh -huh. like how everything <laughs> just seems out of place. Um, like it, it has a strong like 80s vibe to it, like even from like the printer paper and the looks of the televisions. Um, so th I thought that was a cool choice. Uh, it looks like he's going on little missions with them. Um, there's this weird hooded character also like you know, running around. People are speculating that it could be Lady Loki, possibly. Um, but it definitely seems like whoever she is, she has her own agenda and seems to be getting in the way of the TVA and Loki's mission. So throughout the trailer, too, like he's like jumping to like these, I don't know, different apocalyptic Loki landscapes. I'm wondering if these are different realities that he ended up causing, basically. <laughs> One of them even has, like, the Avengers Tower in the background. So I'm wondering if these are different timelines that, like, you know, Loki's actions um, during Endgames, you know, stealing the Tesseract and escaping. 
um, you know, his like cause now, because this is definitely a very different Loki than we've gotten to like known and love over the last like couple films. You know, this is the like pure evil Loki from the end of Avengers. So he hasn't really had his kind of like, you know, pseudo quasi, you know, redemption arc. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm wondering if this series is going to be kind of about that also. There's also a character who's been identified as Judge Renslayer. Um, if it's, you know, more than just a subtle nod to a comic book character that already exists, they could have possible ties to King the Conqueror, uh, who we know is going to be played by uh, Jonathan Majors, who's going to be in uh, Ant-Man and Wasp's Quantum Mania. Right, Christian? Is that what it's called? Quantum Mania? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. That's, that's a horrible <laughs> name. <laughs> but somehow uh. fitting. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind Ant-Man. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that's, you know, huge if Kang pops up here, which only makes sense since this whole, you know, series is going to have to do with like alternate realities and time travel, which is, you know, totally Kang's MO. You know, exactly. Um, I definitely think this is on a bigger scale than what we've seen in these two shows that we have so far. I mean, Jesus, like the amount of different places he was in yes. and everything that was going on around them. I was so impressed by what we're getting out of a, out of a series. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was almost like too much to absorb. I was like, I have no idea what the fuck yes. is going on here. <laughs> uh, the chemistry though, between Hiddleston and Owens, man, damn. <laughs> That's probably going to be one of the highlights, you know, of the series. Yes. I'm guessing. I love it when he like calls him out for being a backstabber. Uh -huh. Yeah, Loki. Yeah. You've literally done it fifty yeah, times, right? <laughs> I'm surprised that's all, honestly. Uh -huh. How long has he been alive? Quite a few yes. years, but maybe we're just considering the only times he's used a knife to stab yeah. someone in the back—the <laughs> physical <laughs> act of stabbing someone in the back. But yeah, this is gonna be a fun one to break down. Dude. Yeah, I mean, it looks amazing, but it's definitely gonna be a fucking headache. So, uh -huh. <laughs> anything with time travel gives me a headache instantly. So, uh, but yeah, no, this looks great. I can't, I'm looking forward to it and it premieres June 11th. It'll be here sooner than you think. You won't need time travel to get to it. Ooh. <laughs> well, all right, it's time to talk some Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode three. That's right. The power broker. Warning spoilers for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ahead. You have been warned. By the way, how is the new cap? Don't get me started. <laughs> Please, you buy into all that stars and stripes bullshit. Before you were his pet psychopath, you were Mr. America, Cap's best friend. Uh oh, she's kind of awful now. All right, so this episode starts off with a commercial for the GRC. Uh, they're a government organization helping to deal with the aftermath of half the population returning after the events of Endgame. Uh, in the four years people were gone, the world's infrastructure changed drastically and can no longer support, you know, um, its full population, especially like a huge spike in it. Uh, it's an element I know I didn't really think about at the time of Endgame, but a lot of people would be returning to just absolutely nothing. I mean, houses sold, jobs gone, family members, you know, might be deceased, um, significant other 
others might be remarried. Like, I love the fact that the MCU is trying to deal with this head on and show like the real life, you know, consequences of what it would be like if something like, you know, the blip happened. Um, so often in the comics, this aspect like kind of gets swept under the rug. I mean, and the world just moves on like nothing happens. I mean, New York has been fucking invaded by aliens or destroyed by demons like every other week uh, in the comics. And like people are still like living there for some reason. Uh, could you imagine the PTSD like an average citizen would be going through? I may be like living in a freaking like war zone 24-7. On the other hand, the MC use like adding weight and making these events matter more by telling stories about like the aftermath of these events it's adding such a like rich layer to like their storytelling no that's what i love about you know these series coming out in general as well they're expanding on how traumatic of an event that had to have been because yeah like i said i think with wandavision uh beforehand you know spider-man did barely any justice yeah right to those people coming back they're just like oh yeah we're teens again everything's fine yeah we're back at school like, yay let's talk in the hallway <laughs> <laughs> no this world is definitely fucked up after the snap it's you know it's good to see you know some actual damage that's happened mm -hmm. with these people absolutely all right so next we see the new captain america and battlestar roll up in a grc van and watch them try to get some answers to the man who provided a safe house for the flag smashers last episode uh we're definitely starting to see more of an aggressive side of john walker uh after he doesn't get anything from the man except a loogie in the face uh he looks like he's about to fucking explode i mean screaming do you know who i am i'm sure like this is going to be like a trend with the character uh uh, for the rest of the series um, and it'll line up nicely like with who John Walker is in the comic books. Yeah, I thought he was going to straight up like shoot the man in front of everyone. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Just fucking kill him. That's next level rage <laughs> right there. But that's exactly what I, you know, I thought I was going to see a little bit more from the get go. But I'm glad it's like something that's unraveling well, as we they kind of hook you in, get you to kind of like the character yes. a little. Mm -hmm. And then you see that he's a, a fucking monster. Yes. So. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> yes, very much like Hayward from uh, WandaVision. Exactly. So next, we cut to Sam and Bucky at Zemo's prison. Uh, unbeknownst to Sam, Bucky has decided to stage a ride to help break Zemo out so he can help track down the origin of the Super Soldier Serum. Uh, while I did enjoy like Bucky and Zemo's brief interaction, this felt way too easy, and I just sort of have a hard time with Bucky just like nonchalantly breaking out Zemo. Like I understand understand he's on a mission to protect Steve's legacy and he can't handle the idea of more super soldiers out there kind of staining it but like Zemo did some bad shit man like he made Bucky a puppet again my guess is his plan is like to keep him close and like at the end of the day end up killing Zemo uh but man you talk about a, a huge risk also like is Sam really gonna go along with this I know he didn't know about like Bucky's plan but like he's risking like going to prison or being like an outlaw again just by like you know aiding him and not arresting him on the spot um this is the first time too like I really felt like the episode count it just felt extremely Rush. Yeah, I think that moment where at least Sam for me was like, just okay, I get it. We'll just move on. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, that that right there is what got it. Like at first, yeah, I agreed with you. I was just like, okay, they're they're rushing through this release, but you know, at least Sam is gonna be a little bit more confrontational about yeah. it. 
And he was for a moment, but it's like, oh, we gotta get the story going, so let's just move on to the next scene. I was expecting him to be like, hell no, and just fly away. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out! Now, for me, I'm hoping that at least later in the season, maybe there's gonna be a big moment where Zemo does something terrible, and at least, you know, then we get Bucky's, you know, like, oh, I fucked up, like, because I I want him to be a little bit more in turmoil with releasing Zemo than just being like, yeah, I'm sure, like, Zemo is on his list, Uh you know, of, you know, unfinished business. So I'm guessing, like, once he gets what he needs from Zemo, then he's going to go ahead and cut him loose and, you know, perhaps just cut his throat. Most likely. All right, so after this, we get to watch Zemo go full supervillain and kind of get more of a comic book accurate, like, makeover. I mean, he finds his purple mask and, like, his fur collar 70s pimp jacket, and we learn that he's, like, the super rich Baron, which, I mean, feels like a complete retcon. Um, I don't believe that's ever stated in Civil War, but whatever, I'm here for it. Um, Here, also, we go on to Zemo's private plane where he's got a butler, and we get him basically... Basically, like restating his mission statement of like why superheroes shouldn't exist. I mean, it's a real nice exchange between the three characters. And here you can really see that Zemo's like the master of the art of manipulation. So then next we meet up with Carly, the leader of the Flag Smashers, uh, who's saying goodbye to a sick woman she's close to. I have no idea who this woman is. Um, They're at a GRC resettlement camp, though. Uh, Once again, we're reminded of all the repercussions of the blip. Um, so Sam, Bucky, and Zemo travel to Mandrapore, a lawless sanctuary island straight out of the pages of the X-Men, or better yet, Wolverine stomping grounds from when he would go by the alias Patch. I mean, one of the world's worst disguises in the history of disguises. Uh, but anyway, uh, they are going in undercover with Bucky pretending to still be the Winter Soldier under Zemo's control, and Sam going as this, like, D-list supervillain from the comics, Smiling Tiger. Uh, we meet up with Selby, a well connected criminal who runs a bar that Zemo thinks has some answers at least. Uh, Zemo offers the Winter Soldier for information on the Super Soldier Serum. She ends up pointing them in the direction of Dr. Wilford Nagel, uh, who in the comic book Truth, which we talked about last episode and it features Isaiah Bradley's story, uh, but in that book, uh, Nagel is the one who experiments on the African-American soldiers. Uh, Well, in the MCU, he's actually like working for the power power broker apparently to crack the serum uh sam then like blows his cover by forgetting to turn off his ringer i mean talk about a rookie mistake um sharon carter comes out of nowhere and makes a save by like killing selby uh shit goes straight john wick as there's like a bounty put on their heads uh they make their way back to her place uh the sharon that is and we then find out that she's become this like stolen art dealer and is not happy to see them there. Uh, she feels like she's been like left behind and forgotten about after she stole like Cap Shield and Falcon's wings back. Uh, she actually never heard anything from the group, including Steve, which just feels weird. Uh, now with like everyone pardoned except for her, she feels pretty fucking bitter. And I don't blame her. I mean, she can't even go back to the States to, like, see her family. Uh, she ends up ridiculing the shit out of Bucky and Falcon, but then agrees to, like, help them as long as they help her get a pardon. 
Yeah, I was excited to see what they would do with Madripoor. Like, I I didn't know if there's gonna be any Easter eggs. I didn't I didn't look up any videos to see if there was a ton of like X Men Easter eggs. There, there was or not, a few but... like random axes spotted here and there, ah, but that's okay. pretty much <laughs> it. Uh, the character Selby, there's like multiple characters in the comics named that, hmm. so I, I'm guessing that was like a subtle nod. Uh, but no one, like, I don't know, I could, like, concretely say, like, she's supposed to be in the books. But I could be wrong, because I haven't I haven't looked up any videos yet either, so. <laughs> um, I, I would have blown my cover as soon as, you know, I was given snake juice or whatever. Well, he almost did. As a shot. I, yes. But, but it was definitely Zemo fucking with him, too, which I enjoyed. <laughs> what, what was his fucking code name? Smiling again? Tiger. Smiling Tiger? What the it, fuck is that type of that, name? That, he's, that's an actual character in the Marvel books, oh, really? though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like I said, he's like a grade like C or D, you know, character. I mean, speaking of Zemo fucking with Sam, I mean, so far I'm really digging his like recharacterization here because mm-hmm. I mean, like what we got was he was so serious in Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, you know, we're finally seeing more supervillain style. From him, uh, I like. I loved how like he was just working the underground as he went through there, yes. and really seemed like he was manipulating more than just um, Bucky and Sam at that point. You know, you had the whole room. So a while back, there was lots of rumors that we we're going to actually get the Thunderbolts team um, coming out of this series, which is a team led by Zemo. They're like villains disguised yeah. as heroes. Um, and at first, you know, it just felt like it didn't make much sense for like who Zemo is in the MCU. But now seeing like this kind of like retcon version of, you know, Zebo, I was like, uh-huh. oh, this makes perfect sense. You know, I could totally <laughs> see them going that route. And I really actually hope that they do. Um, and another thing about this scene was mostly like what they were doing with Bucky, like how far Bucky is willing to take this. Uh-huh. Because like, you know, it really seemed like he was just straight up assassin mode out and during that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was uh, Zemo kept pointing that out to Sam and stuff. And I just really thought those were good, de- good details. Once of the again, that's Zemo manipulating, too. But it did feel yes. like there was a little <laughs> leftover from the Winter Soldier program inside of, mm-hmm. you know, Bucky. That therapist is not going to be happy. No, the next no. Time. <laughs> He's definitely breaking. Was it rule number two? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and my reaction to shared was, you know, she's justified for her anger but at the same time I, i'm hoping she can get back to the states yeah at some right point. <laughs> just feels weird for steve not to reach out uh-huh. to her because after civil war there's still like a year or two window you know before infinity mm-hmm. war so you would think at some point he would be able to like check in on her something i mean even like after Endgame, you know he goes back in time you think he would fix that at some mm. point he's like oh yeah sure that's a good point <laughs> but you know i don't know i have theories we'll talk about that later though okay <laughs> all right so next we get to witness one of my favorite things of 2021 so far and that's dancing zemo at the art gallery i mean it's just fucking amazing absolutely what more could you want from a villain than perfect rave dancing you know <laughs> <laughs> It was glorious. All hail Baron Zemo. Uh-huh. The whitest man alive. <laughs> All right. So moving on, they end up finding Nagel in a shipping yard. Uh, we find out his whole history. Uh, he worked with Hydra, then the CIA, all in the name of recreating the super soldier serum, uh, even using samples from Isaiah Bradley's blood to do so. Uh, he discovered the secret before 
but before he could finalize things, he was snapped out of existence. Uh, when he came back, the program was now defunct, and he started working for the power broker in Mandrapore. Uh, quick comic book sidebar, in the Marvel comic books, the power broker is a character named Curtis Jackson. Uh, he developed a procedure to give characters powers. Um, two of his biggest clients, which we talked about last episode, but a possible spoiler, so, you know, I guess fast forward a couple seconds if you don't want to hear it. But a couple of his biggest clients in the comics were none other than Captain America John Walker and Battlestar. Uh, there was also this whole storyline in the Thing Solo series where he had this weird evil wrestling organization that was addicted to the serum that he created. Uh, so he's like basically Marvel Comics Vince McMahon, I guess. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, unless that comes to play, who knows? Uh, anyway, we find out that the Flag Smashers were test subjects that survived the experiment and decide to steal the rest of the serum. Uh, Zemo then just kills Nagel and uh, all while this is happening, happening, Sharon is outside, like, you know, just murdering waves of evil henchmen, uh, working for the power broker, I guess. Uh, one of them has a rocket launcher and destroys the lab before they could find out any, like, you know, find any remnants of the serum. Uh, Zemo puts on his mask and goes to work, though, saving their asses in style. I enjoyed this sequence a lot. Um, all the characters have good chemistry. I love listening to Bucky and like Falcon bicker about gunfighting strategy. Um, we get this interesting exchange at the end with Sharon and her driver as she like leaves the guys to go on their mission. Um, it had a lot of people like speculating that she might actually be the power broker herself. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, uh, but like my guess is she's either still working for Fury um, somehow, or you know, with Secret Invasion on the horizon, she might be a fucking scroll stirring the pot. But honestly, like I have no clue. Of course. Yeah, that was my first thought when I saw her getting into the car and talking. I was like, is she a scroll? Is that uh -huh. what this is? Maybe she's like the real Sharon's out in space. Yeah, right. This whole time. <laughs> or like she's working for you know Shield still, or or she's somehow still working for Nick Fury. Like that's my only guess. What would be really cool, though, since they're in Mandrapore, if she was really Mystique. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It'd be totally outside of the box, you know, and just uh, throwing in an Easter egg for the hell of throwing in an Easter egg. But, man, that'd be awesome. That would be too big of a twist. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, we're starting the rumor here. It's Mystique. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it was a great action sequence. I just thought, you know, maybe Sam could have left the container as soon as he heard that Sharon was, you know, needing help. Or at least that there was like a bunch of guys coming at them. Someone could have helped her. They didn't need three people investigating this guy at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. But maybe they're just totally confident in Sharon. What a badass she is. Because uh -huh. she handled them. I mean, them. she proved yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. They should have given you an Avengers membership card. You're not wrong. I mean, she like kicked more ass than Black Widow there at the right? <laughs> during that scene. We then head back to the Flag Smashers, who are about to rob a GRC supply depot. Uh, they know they have the upper hand because Nagel's dead which I felt like they found that information out really quickly but that might be a plot point. Uh, we later see Carly's darker side as uh, after she robs the depot she chooses to blow up the building with the guards tied up inside. Um, she justifies this murder by like saying violence is the only language these people understand. So she's definitely not this like I don't know innocent Robin Hood character the last episode was kind of painting her ass 
as, because um, this was definitely some dark shit. We then go ahead and meet up with Battlestar and John Walker, uh, who've deduced that uh, Winter Soldier and Sam had something to do with Zemo's breakout. Uh, they both agree it's time to start to work outside of the law here um, to get things done. Uh, then we cut to Zemo's jet. Uh, we have Sam and Bucky debate over the importance of superheroes and if they really do more harm than good. Uh, Sam points to all the collateral damage that has happened to people like Sharon and Isaiah. Uh, here, Sam definitely feels very like disillusioned with their true importance. Bucky is standing up for them like adamantly though and believes the world really needs them now more than ever. During this conversation, too, you could see how focused Bucky is on getting Steve's shield back from Walker and once again, like, you know, protecting his legacy. Uh, I'm enjoying these exchanges. They really give us some, like, good insight, um, you know, this episode without the gimmick of the therapy session, which, uh, don't get me wrong, I love the therapy session, but it's nice to see these conversations also ha happen, like, organically. Uh, you could tell, like, how comfortable both of these actors are in these roles. So next, they end up landing in Latvia and while they're walking Bucky notices a couple of strange looking beads which he recognizes. This leads Bucky to an alley where he comes face to face with Ao, a member of Black Panther's Dora Milaje. Uh, she's that badass who's with Black Panther during Civil War. It only really makes sense for you know um, Wakanda to send people after Zemo when they find out he escapes you know since he killed T'Challa's father in the events of Civil War. So, I mean, it's something that I should have seen coming, but didn't. Um, but a really nice moment, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, that was the last thing I expected to see on screen was, you know, someone from Wakanda showing up um, in this series. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like, what, like, how far this will go with a character from Wakanda. I know they won't probably, you know, touch on Black Panther at all, no. but maybe, like, I, I just wonder what where where this is heading other than the fact that she's probably hunting down Zemo, which makes I wouldn't sense. be surprised if we get other characters from, you know, Wakanda showing up, though, because like, you know, I was saying it only makes sense that they would be like on the hunt for mm -hmm. Zemo once they find out that he broke free, you know, like so I could see like a like showing up or even Shuri. And we know Shuri has a relationship with Bucky. So, I mean, you you mean White Wolf. Yes, that's White right. My, my bad. <laughs> White Wolf. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, there's only three episodes left, so I don't know if they have, you know, enough time to tell that exactly. story. But I would love to see that play out. So overall, I thought this was a pretty solid episode, although a lot happened here, almost like too much. It makes me really question why they chose to do this series in six episodes instead of like, you know, your standard 10, because each like, I don't know, each episode feels a bit overstuffed, um, especially like the last two. I'm loving everything, though, we're getting from Zemo. Like, give me more of that. I love that they're playing him, like, super eccentric. I just hope that they get to tell, like, I don't know, the, his family lineage and, like, the importance of his mask. Um, but, you know, that being said, I'm just getting concerned that, like, you know, Sam's story is going to get kind of lost in the shuffle here. Yeah, I, I feel like by the end of this series, I am going to be saying I wish this had more episodes, but I am enjoying at least what we're getting in these episodes. I, I do enjoy the, the fight sequences. You know, um, I think what we got with the chemistry through all these characters with Zemo, Sharon and them, like I almost kind of wish Sharon had stayed with them uh, to go on to the next episode. I think that would have been cool to see them like all four in that car going somewhere crazy. 
but who knows? I do think she'll pop up again, though. Yes. With Zemo, I do like the idea that maybe they could use him kind of like a nega version of the um, therapist going forward, where it's just like he's kind of creating more division between the two of them each episode. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing out the worst probably in Bucky. Uh-huh. No, I agree 100% because he's playing a lot of mind games with them right now. But it's like leading to more like character like exploration, which is basically mm-hmm. mirroring what the therapist is doing, you know, in her episodes. So good observation, Christian. But yeah, make sure to tune in next week as we break down the next episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, Christian, you caught up on a series over the past week, huh? Yeah, that's right. I checked out Amazon Prime's Invincible. Warning spoilers for Invincible series ahead. You have been warned. And now our feature presentation. Need to be better. After everything he's done, how can I live up to all that? You need to decide what kind of hero you want to be. That was you in the blue and the yellow. Why don't you meet the team after school? May we count on you in the future? Yeah, I think so. And bored of this. Based on a comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Created by Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley, starring Stephen Yoon, J.K. Simmons, and Sandra Oh. So I finally sat down and caught up with the first four episodes of Invincible. It takes that classic superhero origin story and, you know, throws it into the dark realities of the real world. And I absolutely love it for that. While it has all the wit and charm of your classics like Teen Titans and Justice League animated series, this show does not hold back on the violence and gore. For me, I look at it like an animated equivalent of another Amazon Prime series, The Boys. Though I'd argue it so far hasn't reached that level of diabolical. Steve Yoon of Walking Dead fame plays our main character, Mark Grayson, at the beginning of his powers coming in. And it's kind of like our eyes to this world, you know, kind of like unveiling, you know, each part of this world and all the different levels of like how this society works with superheroes. His father, as played by J.K. Simmons, is Omni-Man, which is pretty much this world's equivalent to Superman, and as you can see by the trailer, maybe a darker Superman than expected. However, that is the mystery that I shall not spoil for you. So far, you know, just the family dynamic in general and how all the characters interact is incredibly enjoyable and what I would want from a series like this. If anything, I think the show could probably take things a bit further than it already has. But as time goes on, maybe it will. After all, each title card comes up with a little bit more blood on it each episode. It's also really fun seeing all the different tie-ins from, you know, different shows. Like you, I can even like connect things to things like Doom Patrol and other shows like that. Maybe even like the live action, you know, shows like Titans and, you know, all the DC uh, Warner Brothers shows. So I definitely think they've, you know, put in as many references and stuff like that. So it's really fun to watch and see all those come to light. But I'm looking forward to finishing this series and I can't wait to catch, you know, all of our listeners reactions plus your reactions, Damon. Well, that sounds awesome, Christian. I'll help definitely have to catch up on the series and we can do a full review when it's done absolutely i definitely think it would be a show you'd be into today's podcast is presented by podgo hey if you're a fellow podcaster let me tell you about podgo Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. 
at podgo.co. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at podgo.co. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. Welcome, folks, to Christian's Corner. This last week in gaming, we got a couple big announcements that I wanted to go over. First being that one of my most anticipated games of the year has been delayed. That's right, I'm talking Deathloop. For those of you unaware of the game, Deathloop is a first-person action-adventure game where you play as this super assassin cult attempting to break free of a time loop that has the mysterious Black Reef Island trapped in an endless cycle. On this island are eight key targets and a rival assassin bent on keeping the loop intact. It's a super stylized game that it looks like James Bond and Groundhog Day had a killer assassin movie baby and honestly hit all the right buttons to get me amped. Arcane Studios, the development team behind Deathloop and most notably remembered for the Dishonored franchise and Prey, announced that it would not be making its May 21st release date. The team has stated that they decided, you know, to delay the launch of Deathloop to September 14th, 2021. They went on to state, you know, we're committed to quality and preserving our team's ambitions for Deathloop while ensuring the health and safety of everyone at Arcane. We'll be using this extra time to accomplish our goal, create a fun, stylish, and mind-bending player experience. You know, of course, that sense of PTSD and panic in general sets in after seeing many games over the last few years kind of have a shit launch, you know, you know, just come out in poor states. Uh, most notably, the launch of Cyberpunk comes to mind. But with that said, and like I say every time, especially even with Cyberpunk's release, it is never, and I mean never, a bad thing for a game to come out later. You know, more time for the developers to actually work on the game can never be a bad thing. And honestly, at this point, you know, in my opinion, I'd rather see a game I'm interested in get pushed back if it's not ready enough for consumers. And also so that developers during these times can get in as much polish without having to risk their own health for our enjoyment. I still have faith that, you know, an ultra cool experience is on its way from Bethesda and Arcane Studios. Though this info is most likely a blow for PS5's you know, early adopters, as this was originally supposed to come out near launch of the console. I have been seeing quite a few people like posting like conspiracy theories that the now Microsoft owns Bethesda is you know just trying to screw over PS5 players, and I honestly highly doubt that. <laughs> You know, speaking of games coming soon, um, it was also announced this week that we are getting another Resident Evil showcase from Capcom. It'll be coming next Thursday, April 15th at 5 p.m. Central Time, ahead of its May 7th release date. A new trailer plus some other surprises were announced for the show. My speculation is that we will get, you know, word on an expanded or updated beta for all available systems. Speaking of betas, currently the multiplayer mode, you know, reverse beta was live. However, problems with matchmaking led to the beta being suspended early. Um, Capcom is currently working on it, you know, uh, but I imagine they will wait to relaunch the beta at another weekend, probably closer to launch or, you know, maybe coinciding with this event. 
and during the next Resident Evil event, we will be live, you know, with coverage and live reactions on our Twitch. So come join us next week as we do a double stream that day. Last but not least, Sony Studios are reportedly working on a remake of The Last of Us. In a recent Bloomberg report, it was stated that Sony had offered Michael Mumbauer, the founder of Visual Arts Service Group, an opportunity to remake the first Uncharted game. But Mumbauer declined and ultimately settled to remake a different game, that being The Last of Us. But it looked like there was, you know, some turmoil between Mumbauer and Sony over, you know, kind of the budget for the game, uh, which led the team leaving the project. Shortly after the release of The Last of Us Part Two, however, it seems Sony has got developers from Naughty Dog, you know, the creators of the actual franchise, working on the remake of The Last of Us for next gen. I'm also going to speculate here that since they originally offered to have Uncharted remade, that most likely they're also working on a Uncharted remake um, for PS5. You know, this all seems like a no-brainer that they want to make remakes of their biggest IP's first titles. I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw a From Scratch remake of God of War. And, you know, I look at successes like Final Fantasy VII for why they would even, you know, consider going down this route. It's the same reason that we keep seeing, you know, the remakes and the, the soft boots of sequels of our favorite films. You know, people will keep buying what they already love. It's a simple and safe bet. But we will continue to follow this story if more comes of it. If you, of course, enjoy me talking about gaming, you will absolutely love being a part of our live stream community, where I actually play games with all of you. You can catch The Amazing Nerd Show live on Twitch Thursday through Sunday at 12 noon Central Time. This weekend was all about WrestleMania, so I booted up one of my favorite SmackDown vs. Raws and played the Road to WrestleMania mode. You can catch it live Saturday and Sunday, otherwise the replays will be available on our Twitch channel while I'm offline. Next weekend, like I said earlier, I'm going to be doing pretty much an all-day stream, I'm thinking, for Thursday, you know, featuring, you know, the Resident Evil Showcase. I'm also nearing the actual ending for The Witcher 3 um, before I actually get into any of, like, the expansion pack missions and stuff like that. So join us live for that and many more games in the future. Now, on to wrestling. I trained to hurt people. I already know what Finn Balor's going to try to do. He's going to try to run out the clock, tire me out. But what he doesn't realize is can't run from me forever. I'm gonna cut the ring off. Every time I hit him, he's going to see a white flash. I'm gonna light his ass up with shots that he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life. All right, Christian, we're in the middle of WrestleMania week, and on Wednesday and Thursday, we had two nights of great wrestling with NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Well, all right, Damon, let's get right into this card. First up, on night one, we had Pete Dunne defeating Kushida. These guys worked so well together. I was so impressed. Like, I knew it was going to be a good match, but I was so impressed with this, like, just, like, the technical wrestling aspect of the match. I, like, they, they just flowed so well together. I mean, trading counter for counter and everything. I just, I love Matt wrestling like this, and I could watch the style of match, you know, over and over again, honestly. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a best of, like, series between these two guys. So, um, I don't know, man. I really dug this match. Yeah, I, I definitely had to sit up because I knew that this was going to be a good match as soon as I saw it was the first match on the card. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing I'm, I want, though, even though I'm not the biggest Kushida fan, as everyone knows, uh, I, I he needs to have at least one big win yes. in NXT. At, 
at some point, right? There's a lot of stop and start with him, it seems mm-hmm. like. You know, like, he's just stuck in that, like, mid-card spot where, you know, if you beat him, it means something. But, like, he's not going to really, like, eke out those big vic- victories at this point, it feels like. Like, he's kind of, like, just, like, I don't know, just, like, stuck stuck predominantly, like, at that level. Um, so I'd like to see him kind of, I don't know, like move up a little and put some fucking respect on his name because it's well deserving, obviously. Uh, but unfortunately, I could say I'm not completely surprised. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it is their track record. I really want to see more like style matches like this, though, like not just in the WWE across the board. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like, it, you know, Matt wrestling's just not in vogue right now for some reason. Um, you know, it's much more of like a high flying sport. Where, like, just, like, that, like, strong ground game is kind of getting, like, lost. Yeah, not everyone needs to, you know, do a suicide jump every single match. And I I definitely think, like, you know, both, almost well, every show could really, you know, have some more Matt wrestling. I definitely agree with that statement. No, absolutely. And it's coming to the point where I'm just getting, like, numb to, like, all the dives and everything. I'm much more impressed with wrestling like this. And you would think that you would want to mix up the amount of like different styles on your shows. Like it's it just seems like we're just seeing a lot of the same type of match, you know, per show. No, I agree. I agree. I think variety is the spice of life. Well, up next, we had a six man gauntlet eliminator match with the winner receiving an NXT North American championship match on night two. That winner being Bronson Reed as he went up against Isaiah Swerve Scott, Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, Dexter Loomis, and Leon Ruff. I can't stand Dexter Loomis. So I was <laughs> I was so excited that he didn't win because I was so sure he was going to walk away with the victory. So that mm. was a plus. It was a good match. I enjoyed it. I was happy for Bronson Reed. Um, I don't understand what they're doing with L.A. Knight. Like, he just showed up, and I feel like all I've seen is him lose. Like, I know he's only lost twice, but <laughs> that's all that sticks out in my head. Um they seem to be like harping on the fact that he's great on the mic, but I don't know. I want, I want them to let him shine in the ring a little more too, like build him up a little um, before you start beating him. Uh, But yeah, no, that being said, I mean, this was an entertaining match and I'm happy that Dexter didn't win. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're more upset that Cameron Grimes didn't win. I know that you're a big fan. I would have big mark of his. I would have loved to see Cameron Grimes win this match, man. I actually thought he was like going into this. I thought um, if it's not Dexter Loomis, then it's got to be Cameron Grimes. Like that's who they would put up against. Uh, you know, I, the fact that it's it gets Gargano. Gargano, though. I don't know. I don't think they would go heel versus heel. You know, so I, I figured it had to be a baby face. And for some reason, mm. Dexter Loomis is a baby face. So I, I was pretty sure it was going to be either Reed or Loomis. Well, I don't like I haven't been watching the shows weekly, so I. Bronson Reed's not on my radar as much, so I didn't know what side he was on uh-huh. at first. <laughs> but I was happy to see him win the match, and I was excited by his match in the in the next night. But we'll get into that. Up next, we had the NXT United Kingdom Championship match with Walter retaining against Tommaso Ciampa. This was my favorite match of the night. Um, this lived up to the hype. I was super excited for this match going into it, and I wasn't disappointed at the end. I love the psychology of this match. They told a great story. I love the whole idea of Ciampa 
like trying to get back into his like 2018 form and everything that mm-hmm. he's like been softened up by like family life and everything. I like that he like went through like this metamorphosis, like, you know, bringing back the old tights and everything. He shaved his head also, uh, you know, but just seeing that more aggressive Ciampa um, and just Walter is amazing. Like, I love Walter. I love his style. I love that he's just a big guy who beats the shit out of you. Um, and I like that that was the story of the match and that, you know, it was all yes. about, you know, <laughs> Walter's hand and keeping him from that, you know, that devastating chop and, you know, much of his move set by, like, injuring his hand. So I thought it just just great storytelling. Oh, yeah. um, definitely great work by both of them. I'm hoping that, um, you know, we see this going forward, maybe like. This match is the catalyst that brings back a you know darker Champa going forward. It won't just be you know one and done for this storyline. I agree. I'm I'm wondering if that's where they're going because I mean Champa has definitely like lost his step, not in the ring, but mm-hmm. like just character wise lately, he's lost his edge. So and I love that that was part of the story because I mean I think we were talking about it like a month ago. Like what happened to Champa? Up next we have the triple threat tag match for the previously vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. Uh, this had MSK going over Grizzled Young Veterans and um, Legato Del Fantasma. So this match was the complete opposite side of the spectrum where like Walter and Ciampa was all about like psychology and hard hitting. This match was all about like moves and there was a lot of them. It's not a bad thing though because it was pretty well done overall. Um, I actually thought even though the MSK won and I'm happy that they won, I think it was the right move to put the belt on them because they're super hot right now. But honestly, I thought the team that like impressed me the most was the Grizzled Young Veterans. Like I thought they were fantastic. You know, um, I actually really liked um, Legato Del Fantasma in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely I haven't seen them a lot personally because I don't watch the you know weekly mm-hmm. show. But um, I, I was definitely impressed what we got from them because mostly I've only seen them come out with the cruiserweight champion. You know, never like actually just on their own in yeah. a match. So I thought they did really well in this. But yeah, it definitely seemed like MSK was the logical choice at at the end of this battle. Yes, yes. Like I said, they're super white hot right now and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're the newer teams. So put the belts on them and let them carry the division for a little bit. But I want to see, I mean, I know they've been having, you know, matches with Grizzled Young Vets already, but I want to see that program continue because they work so well together. It just feels like the Grizzled Young Vets can work like any style. You know, and that's why I enjoy them. With that being said though too i wouldn't be surprised if msk gets called up sooner than later oh really you think uh, they're ready for main roster i definitely think they're ready and you know that the tag team division is just so lacking on both shows they would go a long way to like just freshen things up sure i mean they'll, they'll come up for a couple weeks and then we won't see them for <laughs> a month or two that's that's fine they they've done okay with the street profits i will say that if you say so <laughs> They just haven't done. They just haven't the done okay stuff, with like the tag team division <laughs> as a whole, you know. But they yes. do push the street prop. Well, main event time for night one had Raquel Gonzalez defeating Io Shirai for the women's championship. I definitely saw this coming. I thought this was a great match. Um, both competitors shined here. You know, Io does what eo does you know jump off shit and look fucking spectacular doing it like her uh-huh. like once again like all her movements are so fluid the way she transitions from move to move i it, it really is seamless and then like raquel is just like she's got such charisma 
that like it really helps like elevate her as a wrestler in the ring. So and that's kind of like rare where like I mean she's good, don't get me wrong, but I don't think she's great in the ring, but her charisma mm. kind of like, you know, takes her to the next level is what I'm trying to say. Um and I like that everything she does feels real. You know, like everything feels like it counts like in the ring. When she hits someone, you feel it. Gotcha. Like okay. I I I hear what you're saying. Um I'm I'm still I I'm not buying her her charisma just yet, but you know, maybe the more I see her going on, you know, I definitely think, you know, she has they've done main event quality. They've done a great job building her up on the show. Um okay. you know, especially like with this feud with EO and everything. They had her like beating the shit out of EO <laughs> last week. So I was actually kind of worried that she wasn't going to win the belt here. Just because I feel like it's time for a change and it'll, it'll help the mm. division, you know, to have fresh blood. But um, also her feud with uh, Rhea Ripley was great. Like they beat the yes. shit out of each other. So um, I'm just surprised like how quickly she's like risen up the ranks. Because at first I was just like, oh, she's just a bodyguard type. I wasn't expecting much from her. But then it was I think it was uh, War Games where I was like, yes. you know pleasantly surprised with like how good she actually was in the ring yeah it was definitely a quick rise i I think even like during the um video package they showed in the beginning it was just showing how quickly she went from you know dakota kai's bodyguard to now being you know next to in line for women's championship it has been a very short rise but you know if she's talented enough to do it why not no she held her own against eo and rhea ripley so i mean she's got skills and you know she's got plenty of time to grow and learn um, I will say, you know, night one, everything felt super well paced. Like I, there was never a match where I felt like anything went way over time or I needed to see less of it or more of it. So I definitely think night one was you know, very well handled. Yeah, general. no, I thought this was a great show. Um, pay-per-view quality because I was worried about it being on primetime if it was going to like live up to like the takeover standard. And actually, I think it was one of the better like takeovers in recent memory all right christian so overall how many stars would you get night one of nxt takeover i'm honestly going to give night one four and a half stars i really enjoyed night one um and i you know it was i think it was one of the best cards we've seen from nxt in a while no i'm actually going to give it four and a half stars also um like i said i think this outshined like honestly the last like four or five takeovers i saw so And it was only night one. All right, Christian. So there's only so many hours in the day. I did not uh, catch night two. Um, I actually chose to watch AEW first. That was a big mistake. And I just kind of ran out of time. Um, So you're going to cover this for us. Uh, To start things off, we had Santos Escobar defeat Jordan Devlin for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And this was a ladder match to uh, determine the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Champion. That's right. So they both had the belt, right? Because Jordan Devlin was, you know, overseas, so he couldn't defend it. So they stripped him of the title, but he was still claiming to be the champion, correct? Yes, and he came with the title, which it actually looks like one of them is physically smaller than the other. I don't know if they upgraded the title at some point. And, and it's actually because even on the thing, it just looked like it was slightly smaller. I don't know. It's, it's WWE. Bigger is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought these two worked very well together. I mean, it was a great like 
for for the most part, it was a good ladder match. Um, you know, nothing too crazy happened. You know, there's a couple spots, you know, here and there, you know, they did the classic, you know, break the ladder um, in the corner spot and stuff like that. But nothing was too insane. We do get a moment towards the end where Phantasma shows up and actually helps him because uh, it looked like Delvin was really about to win. He, uh, he did this crazy spot that ends up sending um, Escobar outside. Um, and you you think Delvin's about to win, and then of course you know his his goons show up, and you know it's it's you know a quick turn there, uh, and then we end up celebrating with Escobar winning. Now I I'm still full like Team Escobar on this. Uh-huh. I, I think he's fantastic. He has so much charisma, and it only made sense that he'd be the winner of this match. Uh, it, even going in, you know, you could tell by their entrances this seems like you know someone they've put a lot into, and one that they've they're still working on. So I just. I, that's just what I saw from it. And then it ended with him celebrating with his kid on the top of the <laughs> ring. And I didn't understand what was happening. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on from there. <laughs> teaching him life lessons, man. If you're not cheating, you're not yeah. trying, damn it. That's <laughs> kind of weird I to guess. have the heel celebrating with his child at the end uh-huh. of the match after cheating to win. That's funny. Uh, they could do that backstage. Nah, I don't know. I'm <laughs> cool with it, man. Life lessons. <laughs> All right, so up next, uh, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships on the line with Ember Moon and Shauncee Blackheart defending their titles against The Way, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. That's right. Um, the Way came out, had a good match with Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. For the most part, I mean, both these teams really seem like they're still learning how to mesh together from what I've seen. I don't know how much, you know, how well they're doing on TV each week, but like I could definitely see like Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart have improved since the last time I've seen them working together, gotcha. but it's still like, you know, a work in it, progress clicking 100%. Yeah. Um, and then of course uh, with the way um, Indy Hartwell definitely still seems kind of on the yeah. greener side, but it, it's, it she, there was there wasn't too bad. Like they definitely protected her more. She wasn't in the ring too much compared to Candice LeRae. Um, I don't have I have no idea what Candice LeRae came out as. She was in this weird like almost quasi Viking garb, huh. and it definitely didn't play with uh, Johnny Gargano's later Iron Man thing. So that's I, interesting. I don't know what was she was supposed about. to be Thor. Uh, maybe I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't seen it yet, so I, I can't even help you. Uh, yeah, I really hope that they're starting to like develop like the tag team division and you know figuring out you know teams that could challenge for these belts. Because if you know Moon and Blackheart don't have worthy contenders, those belts aren't going to mean much. Yes, and I'm, what I'm really hoping for you know the NXT Women's Tag Team belts is really like. Maybe they'll start, you know, thinking of just having women's teams being built, you know, from scratch. And then we can have something where it moves on to the main roster. And maybe then they'll care more about the main roster (laughs) women's tag titles as well. Because that also seems like it's just up in the air half the time. Mm -hmm. I agree. But yeah, we see Ember Moon and Satsi Blackheart, you know, retain the titles. And hopefully, you know, we'll see maybe some new challengers. I know that they've been going up against the way uh, for quite a while right now on TV, I believe so. Yeah, it's time to move on, you know, to a different program. Yeah. So up next, we had Johnny Gargano retaining the North American Championship against Bronson Reed. So, yeah, I was excited to see Reed versus Gargano. I thought, you know, varying styles, varying sizes, you know, this should lead to some, you know, some interesting stuff. But, you know, Gargano immediately kind of injures um, Reed's ribs. And then we have Reed kind of half selling throughout the entire match, you know, because most of his moves deal with, you know, him using his size and his body. You know, he does a lot of like core strength, core strength type stuff. So I had to start 
either just pretending that it wasn't hurting him enough or, you know, just letting stuff go here and there. And I, I, at a certain point, I couldn't, you know, because like throughout the match, Gargano's really working, you know, the body. He's going through, which doesn't really fit with his finisher too much. Uh, that's mostly head damage, I believe. Mm. Me thinking in, you know, WWE games terms. But well, maybe he's <laughs> trying to take his strength away so he yes. can't do his moveset. So I, I understand what you're saying, though. Um, and if you're going to like choose a body part to work mm-hmm. and, you know, you're going to, you've got to sell it, you know, and sacrifice then, you know, part of your move set, you know, I mean, if that's going to be the story of the match. So, I mean, that's disappointing to hear. No. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there was definitely just like not enough selling of the ribs, if especially with how much Gorgana was working it. Uh, and I don't know. It just left me desiring maybe a little bit more from the match, I guess. Yeah, and the ribs are like a hard thing to sell too. Exactly. Right? Because <laughs> if you're not he's... like eliminating that moveset, then like what are you doing? Like how are you selling it? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not like squinting every time you lift someone up or whatever, you know, it's not like a leg where you can limp on, you know, to let the crowd know that you're injured. Well, it's crazy. Like, you know, Reed actually goes and does like a full like um, suicide dive as well. And like yeah. all these stunts. And I'm like, I, I can't, you know, like, he should at least like pretend to like maybe if he did one cartwheel and he fell over in the middle of the cartwheel or something, you know, there showing was, that he was in pain. There was recently a match uh, with the Young Bucks where Matt was selling his ankle, I believe, or mm-hmm. knee, um, and it just it drove me nuts. Like, and there I I defend the Bucks a lot of times because they don't get enough credit for their ability to sell, but it drove me nuts that like Matt hit like like two or three super kicks like during this match and actually i think that's how he won the match like that shit drives me crazy like if you're gonna make that choice then you've got to sacrifice you know for the good of the match i mean that'd be like if kenny omega got his knee injured in the match and then proceeded to continue to um just knee people left and right out of nowhere Yeah, that but should be right. the story of the match. But anyway, so yes. poor Bronson Reed. You know, I was yes. really thinking he was going to win the title here, too. Because how many defenses has Gargano had? Because I definitely thought, you know, I thought going into this, Reed was going to win. I definitely, mm. like, even, like, throughout the match, I was like, Reed's going to make a, you know, a miraculous comeback and win this at some point. Yeah, no, I know he lost the belt for a short period of time to Leon Ruff, I believe. But then, oh, yeah. you know, mm. he's had the belt for at least, I don't know, like, three or four months at this point. I guess it's just because they have, you know, you know, more intervals between pay-per-views as well. You know, I'm probably more used to WWE's monthly. There's nothing wrong with like longer title reigns. But at, at the same time, I do. I don't know. I just feel like Gargano with that belt just feels a little stale to me. So up next in a surprise to me, because I really thought this was going to be like the main event. Uh, we have Karrion Cross with Scarlett defeating Finn Balor for the NXT championship. Uh, this was actually my match of the night in general. Like, I don't know what it was, but Finn Balor really came out and just decided I'm going to be a pure badass in this match. You know, mm-hmm. even though he loses this match, you know, all the psychology at the beginning with, you know, him smiling every time he gets hit by um, Kyrian Cross and like really just trying to downplay and piss off Kyrian throughout the beginning of this match was really well handled. Um, you know, they had a really great back and forth throughout the entire um, you know match. Uh, Kyrian Cross came out looking like a fucking monster because by the end, you know, um, Finn Balor's been putting him through the works, you know, wearing him down. And what's funny enough, they they did, you know, the body injury 
a little bit better here than they did in the previous match where Kyrian's really, you know, selling it more. You know, he's losing a lot of his ability to attack Balor and it's really showing that Balor is wearing him down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because he's he's the freak of nature that he is. He just powers through it at some point and actually beats Balor in the end. And it was really well handled. So I think it was just like better psychology. Yes. Overall. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm glad to hear because Cross like felt like he came back a little too early from Mm -hmm. his injuries where he kind of felt like he was lacking something. So I'm glad that, you know, during this match, he was able to really like shine. Um, You know, Balor's great. I love him like as this kind of like tweener, you know, character right now. And like you said, like he plays badass like no one else, you know, in NXT. So I love what they're doing with Balor. I'm glad he didn't come out as the demon because I was mm-hmm. really thinking that he might go back to that, you know, since he's kind of dealing with this like weird eccentric character in Cross. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point, but I don't know. I, I, I just like this version of Balor so much. With that being said, I'm absolutely terrified that Balor's going to get called up to the main roster now <laughs> after Mania. So it is the season, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, Balor, we gave you a year, you know, <laughs> it's time to come back home to, you know, Vinnie Mac and, you know, you could sit in catering. <laughs> I, the video package before this match, though, where they're showing like, you know, Finn Balor, he he wins the title and um, he's like explaining like. Oh, um, you know, when I lost the title from injury, I just came back and be champion. I was like, but you spent like five years on the main roster losing. What, what do you mean? What happened in between that? <laughs> he won some matches. Get out of here. He, he, here and there. he was smiling like a fucking goof half the time, but he was winning matches. They just would forget about him once in a uh, while. Like, like he was even on the roster. So and that's that's my fear is they're going to bring him up. They're not going to allow him to do this character. You know, they're going to have him in the demon gimmick like right away. Mm. And he's going to be smiling out to the ring, you know, every time we fucking see him. And you remember how awkward that was, like him smiling constantly where he like almost looked like a fucking psychopath. It's like, what are you smiling about? (laughs) Stop. That was just the mandate at the time. I think. No, I know it was doing it. It was. It came out. That was the mandate. You know, (laughs) Vince wants him to smile more. So he smiled. Um, No, I love this version of Balor and I don't want to see him leave NXT anytime soon. No, I definitely like the way that they kept talking about like Kieran Cross as a demon made me think, oh, maybe they down the road. They definitely want to do, you know, demon Balor versus Cross. Oh, but, really? They kept on using the term demon with Cross, like especially in his video package beforehand. Uh, there was just like demon Cross. He's okay. the demon. Well, it was like, OK, well, <laughs> although now Cross is another one who I feel like he'll have his title run uh-huh. here. But at the end, he'll get called up right away because I guarantee you they're eyeing him on the main roster. Yeah, but I definitely he, he feels ready made, uh-huh. you know, for you know uh, the main roster. Yeah, but you say that, and I immediately start thinking EC three. You know, he was he seemed yeah, but Cross know, has more of a gimmick, I guess. You know, he's more of a, that entrance, the look, the mm. package with him and Scarlet. EC three is this like douchebag character with a great body. I mean, he's an okay worker. And I really honestly thought Vince would love him, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for some reason they decided to make him mute. So, (laughs) um, you know, he just, he didn't get pushed like Cross is getting pushed on, you know, NXT. Uh, Do you think they'll ever let Scarlett wrestle? Or is she just, you know, just going to be the valet? No clue. Hmm. I have no clue. We'll see. 
I, I feel like everyone ends up wrestling, you know? At some point. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> All right, so last but definitely not least, we had Kyle O'Reilly defeating Adam Cole in a good old-fashioned unsanctioned match. To start, I, I'm not a big fan of their new themes. Um, you know, it's, it is what <laughs> it is. Let's get but down like... to brass tacks and talk what matters. <laughs> How was the air guitar by Kyle O'Reilly, Christian? Was it, it up was to so, snuff? <laughs> it was so awkward and weird because he's like, I, I, I'm supposed to look serious right now, but I'm also like oh. kind of jumping and playing guitar. Oh, he was really playing air guitar down to the ring for this match? Kind of? like I was joking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like at times he's like he looked like he was trying to do the motions and then maybe like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I don't know. It was very huh. confusing. Like, he was really all over the place with his entrance. That's and then, the one like, thing. Like, I hate, like, NXT's, like, choreographed, like, entrances. Uh-huh. Like, they go a little too far with them. And, like, during a match like this, that shit should just be fucking dropped. You know? <laughs> like, to do this, like, mini dance sequence, uh-huh. like, before your match. That, like, it's supposed to be, like, this, you know, like I said, blood match. I just have a hard time, like, suspending to, like, disbelief you know seeing that well let me tell you about what i had to suspend my disbelief with when um they started off this match by having all these security guards in the ring but before wow. you know because throughout the night they were saying oh we have to keep cole and um o'reilly separated before they can have their fight oh, you know? and they okay. did this whole thing but the way that they cut the ring in half was they had kyle o'reilly you know standing on what, what, what you would see is the left corner, right? Um, which is closest to the ramp. So when fucking Cole comes out, he's coming down the ramp. So O'Reilly uh, could have just easily just ran out and attacked him. Yeah, if he wanted point. to. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's <laughs> I was like immediately just like, what's happening? And you have like um, Cole like, you know, talking shit to him on the ramp. And then he walks around and goes to his side. So there was no point to the security guards. Then yeah. like, you know. You know, I've seen all the footage, you know, they, they've been fighting each other. They've been mm-hmm. like, you know, Not at each stop. other's throats. You know, you had security guards throughout the night keeping them apart. And then during the match, you have Kylo O'Reilly questioning if he should hurt Cole. And I'm oh. like, well, why? <laughs> That's like, weird. How far will I go with Cole in this unsanctioned match that I signed up for? It's like, what do you mean? You Why remember is this your story? They kind of did that with Gargano and Ciampa, like at certain points, where like it was like you know, does Gargano want to go too far, um, and like stoop down to like Ciampa's like level? But that mm. d- that was that story. This story is completely different, so it, that does feel like a bizarre choice. Yeah, especially since I've seen just how much you know both of them will fuck up people when they are working together. Uh-huh. Let alone like if they you know if cole had backstabbed him why wouldn't he just immediately lunge at him like i don't even need the weeks of fighting at that point you know he's truly just betrayed his best friend mm. and pretty much said fuck you to him the entire time yeah. no it's a blood feud. why not i yeah, mean exactly you should be out for blood like you should be blinded with rage and there should be mm-hmm. no like questioning you know your friendship like i understand like you're trying to do storytelling and i love good storytelling but there's a time and a place for it so yes now, that um, being said, if I saw the match, I might have loved it. I don't know. 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of great spots that they had. Um, you know, they bring out this chain um, and do a bunch of stuff where, which I, I always disagree about this when they do submissions and they have a chain wrapped around a limb. And mm-hmm. even though that chain doesn't like actually add anything to the submission, it's supposed to be like 10 times more painful because there's a chain now wrapped uh, around a limb. There, there was a bunch of spots like that and little things in here and there, but all the chair spots were really good. Um, but it just doesn't live up to now watching AEW's, you know, lights out matches oh. <laughs> going forward. Like when I can't see that same level of violence in your blood feud as I can on other shows, it kind of it, it does drop the ball for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I could definitely see why, like the average fan would love all the stunts that we did get. You know, um, <laughs> there was one moment, though, where Cole pulls out a toolbox, um, empties the toolbox and it's all the same stuff we've already seen in the ring. I was like, oh, okay, so you just have the same tools again. Cool. Yeah, there's there's a prop guy getting fired tonight. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know. It definitely felt like they were limited to what they could do. Yeah. Uh, There was a great moment where... I mean, honestly, um, it's like two different playing fields. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the wrestler's fault, but it Mm. is what it is. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind that Cole and O'Reilly could, you know, Especially after what Cole's girlfriend did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably like, that's all? That's all you got? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We should have got rid of this match. The the best spot, though, of the night was when, I guess, for me, I thought it was um, O'Reilly DDTing Cole into the um, greats that were there. But I guess at the end of the day, it was Cole throwing... Um, it just looks like a DDT at the time, but it, it's um, Cole throwing um, O'Reilly through those grates that you see in the um, on the ramp. Oh, OK. OK. And then like two minutes later, they get um, <laughs> Cole comes out, goes to the side of the ramp and just starts punching a hole through the wood so he can drag <laughs> O'Reilly out of the ramp area. Oh. Like that was the most badass moment of the night. But beyond that, I've it, never seen yeah. anything like that before. That's pretty exactly cool. <laughs> they actually destroyed the ramp. Which was pretty cool, but yeah, um, it it was it was an okay match. It just didn't live up to what I guess I would expect from an unsanctioned. match. How was the pacing of this match? Because it was forty minutes long. It was forty minutes, and I can tell you, I started to feel it about after thirty minutes. Okay. Those, those last ten minutes really started to slow down. Um, okay. And at, I, at a certain point, there's only so many like um, near falls I can handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're just and NXT gets... loves their near falls. Yes. Where it just gets obscene. I mean, so does AEW. But uh-huh. yeah, there's a point where it's like, okay, come on. You're not kicking out of that. That's, that, that's insane. Uh, mm. But okay. All right, Christian. So obviously I didn't see Night 2, so I can't give it a rating. But Christian, how many stars would you give Night 2? Um, you know, while um, Kieran Cross and Finn Balor was phenomenal and, you know, I really enjoyed the latter match, I definitely think the other matches kind of brought down the overall, you know, both night experience. So I definitely think I'm going to give this one... Uh, a 3.5. I'm going to I'm going to rest on a 3.5. I want to give it a 4 cuz man, some of the some of those spots were really good, but I think 3.5 is fair enough. So you enjoyed night 1 more overall? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. So like I said before, I mean, we're smack dab in the middle of WrestleMania week. Uh hopefully we'll have as many glowing things to say about, you know, both nights of WrestleMania as we did with NXT Takeover. I highly doubt it, but yes, hopefully we do. <laughs> You're such an asshole. We're going to love it. We're going to love WrestleMania, sure. God damn it! I, I usually like most whoa, of WrestleMania, whoa, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> 
WrestleMania. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, besides your usual smorgasbord of nerdiness, we've got two nights of WrestleMania to dive into. That's right, brother. What you gonna do when the Amazing Nerd Show runs all over you? Oh, dear Lord. Okay. (laughs) It's time to go to bed. (laughs) Yes, it is. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Big lump of C4. Peck right up as fudger. Boom. Claret everywhere. Fucking diabolical.